Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. We are so excited you have joined us for this conversation. And every single episode, every single conversation, we are aimed at doing one thing. We want to encourage and equip leaders in the local church to be disciples and make disciples. And we believe today's conversation is going to go a long way in doing that. And so we're glad you're here. I want to encourage you to, before we get to the conversation, to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. You may have been listening this entire journey with us. Maybe you're new to the podcast. We don't want you to miss a single episode, so make sure you go subscribe and certainly leave a rating, like, all those kind of things. We'd appreciate that. It helps us reach more people uh, to to help encourage and equip other local leaders in the church. So uh, without further ado, let's get to today's conversation, Andy. Yeah, Mark, we have a return guest and friend with us today. Uh, if you go back to episodes 83 and 117, you will get to hear uh, from Dr. Scott Sullivan, who is the Discipleship Catalyst for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And uh, we're excited to talk about some some things today with our friend Scott. And like I said, if you don't know who he is, you can go back and listen to those two episodes and hear his heart and hear his story and hear a little bit about what he's excited about and passionate about and uh, we get to talk about something that's fresh on your mind today, Scott. Thank you so much for taking time to join us on the podcast. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here with you, fellows, Mark, Andy, and um, just looking forward to the conversation because I've got some things guys doing in my heart, but I also value so much. And by the way, I am a fan, so I listen to the podcast as well. I, um, so thank you for what you do to get this content out into the um, big populace so that people can hear it and really just start conversations that need to happen. Well, we love it. I mean, I, I feel like we learn probably more than anybody else as we have these conversations. Isn't that, isn't that the so truth? It's like it becomes a learning community for us as we create oh, these. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and also, you know, there are you're, you're in select company now, Scott. You know, very few people get on the podcast three times. And, you know, if we have you back a third time, we're, we're a fan, too. So so uh, y'all just tired, not sleeping well and just slip through <laughs> the crack. <laughs> and we are excited. Too, not not in this conversation. Uh, so let's let's dive right in. So Scott, because of your role, because of um, you know the fact that God has put you where He has, and you get to do what you do, you interact with a lot of different ministry leaders, and you have really before this role. I mean, in in your role as pastor and um, you know leader in different areas and different states, you know God has has put you around different ministry leaders. You've seen some great ones. You've seen some not so great ones. And so you've been kind of developing this list. We talked about it before we hit record uh, of, you know, what are some things that some of these leaders have in common? And I think this kind of conversation is so appropriate and so critical for those watching and listening on the podcast, because we want to know, not that we copycat, not that we want to just be like somebody else, but what what are those great leaders have in common? And so you've kind of identified some things, some mindsets of different ministry leaders. So let's just dive in. What What's something that you have noticed that, yeah. that some of those top ministry leaders have in common? It really is. So the role that I'm in is Catalyst, um, and we have a broadcast as well. And um, so we're, we're constantly asking questions and we're interacting with leaders, and it just became apparent to me. So number one, that most of our leaders are not high-capacity leaders. They're mm. middle managers. 
they're not visionaries. They're not thinking outside the box. They're not thinking original thoughts, but we do have a, a lot of them. And I just noticed that there were a lot of commonalities, but the way they think, the way they did things. And so here's the reality. The world we live in, we're in a new era. Like this dawn of this new era has happened. It's not going to happen. It's already happened. And you just think about the crazy cool technologies and advancements. Like, you know, I can turn on the lights, activate my alarm system, turn off the TV and start my grill while I'm laying in bed on my phone. Yep. My Roomba cleans my floor. Holographic communication is probably going to be the way we talk with our grandkids one day. <laughs> Blockchain technology and cryptocurrency is probably going to be the way we do banking in the future. So if leaders, so I was just thinking, like if leaders aren't thinking about these incredible mindsets that high capacity leaders are doing, if we could get that out in front of folks, just, so we can just do that self-awareness and say, okay, you know, Andy said this, but that's not where I am. So that's what created that in my heart and my mind is just helping people take the next step in becoming a healthy disciple maker who creates healthy disciple making systems. And um, those, the four, the first one for me was, um, and I would even, this is probably where my heart lands the biggest right now. Like this is what's consuming my thoughts is curiosity. Like it literally means a willingness and an eagerness to learn. Now, I can just tell you the guys that are high capacity in my life that I look up to um, some of those are late seventies and 80 and they're still reading. They're still learning they're, They want to hang out with you and me because they want to know what's fresh. They want to know what's happening. So these curious guys, what I see in them is that they're lifetime learners and they possess this ongoing willingness to learn. Matter of fact, so this Thursday on our Georgia Baptist discipleship broadcast, I've got a, a broadcast is going on and it's on artificial intelligence and its effect on the church going forward. Mm. Like if you've been watching Fox news and all that, Hey, it's fixing to take over the world. You know, if it gets smart enough, it's going to shut down gas plants. It's going to shut down water sources, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so, we, so let's talk about this. And I would love to learn from you as well. If we could talk just maybe some of these nuggets of practical things, these guys are doing this that, that, that made me think they're curious. So here's one. Um, and this is probably a basic one. Every one of them has intentional, daily, precious time with Jesus in the word and in prayer. I haven't met any of these guys who are knocking it out of the park that don't have a, a time when they're, they're doing it is set aside. The assistant doesn't get the opportunity to call in or interrupt, interrupt that. Like that is the baseline of what they do. Um, here's the second one. Not only are they in the word, but they read every day. They're reading the paper, they're reading blogs, they're reading, you know, Stephen Covey, they're reading, reading Carrie Newoff, whatever. Um, and I heard Jay Strack, you guys know Jay with uh, Student Leadership University. I heard Jay say this a, um, a little while ago. He said, there's more recorded knowledge in the last 10 years than the previous history of humanity. That's right. Well, for us as leaders, if we aren't readers, we're going to get left behind. So that, that's another one of those. Now, I want to say something on the third one here, and I would love to get your input because this is my experience in Georgia, and I would love to see if you're seeing this other places. These guys have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. Okay, they have a Paul that's pouring into them. Like this has been, um, like we know we should have these things, but I'm seeing these guys who are really getting it done. The majority of these guys ha actually have this, and it's part of their rhythm. So they got a Paul, a mentor, who's pouring into them. They got a Timothy that they're pouring out to, and then they got a Barnabas that's encouraging them 
along the way. So when I got to Georgia, I didn't have the Paul. Mm. I have had, had it occasions, but I probably went a, a year, didn't have that. Uh, Ken Adams, I think you guys know Ken mm -hmm. over here in Georgia, does a lot in, in Alabama. Uh, Ken was a guy that I asked, hey, would you meet with me for one hour, once a month for 12 months? I just want to ask you questions. And, I, and when you see something in you that bothers you, it doesn't matter what it is, you can say it to me. And I'm telling you, there were conversations that Ken and I had that were just, man, it illumined things in my heart and my mind, that self-awareness piece of that. So what are, would you agree with that? Or would you say that's a great ideal, but even my high capacity leaders aren't doing that? Mm. Oh, absolutely, Scott. And, and I think this is one thing that Mark and I have talked a lot about over the years is not just this is present in high capacity leaders, but the absence of it leads to downfall. Mm. And you're talking about uh, that intimate, ongoing, growing relationship with Jesus through engaging in the word daily. When that is not there, that's the number one red flag we have seen for leaders who morally fail, who burn out, or who just quit altogether. Yeah. And and to see a recognition of that in high capacity leaders, to me, that is, I think, one of the key, if not the number one factor uh, that allows the, 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 the cream to rise to the top, I guess you could say. I heard it. I heard somebody say recently that the, uh, the well-read will always rule over the, the non-read. And mm, what he meant by that was, is people who are constantly learning will always have an advantage over those who are unwilling to learn. And they're impressive, right. aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, obviously people watching and listening to this are already in tune to podcasts, but I think, you know, curiosity is certainly they read, but they, they listen, right. They're, they're mm. watching and listening to podcasts. They're subscribing to those podcasts because it's a regular part of their rhythm. Um, you know, I know there's a part of my day every day. Um, in addition to the time with God that there's, there's two or three podcasts that I'm gonna listen to that are daily podcast or weekly podcast that I kind of put in there. I'm not, I'm not saying, Hey, I'm a high capacity leader. I'm saying, but that's a rhythm that I try to instill because I, I'm with you, Scott, I've seen that in other leaders. And so, you know, Howard Hendricks is the, I think the original uh, person who said that about Paul Barnabas and Timothy, those three yeah. indispensable relationships. And absolutely, man. Um, I think, I think that's key. So I think there's a, an important differentiation here between high performing people mm. and high capacity leaders. So there mm. may be some high performing leaders. Good distinction. Yeah. That, you know, that may, they may, they may really take off for a little bit, but they're not going to remain because they don't have some of these things that we're talking about. I, I agree. I, you know, I, I think of people that have been quote unquote rock stars, you know, in ministry they didn't last because they didn't have those relationships. They didn't have that curiosity. They didn't have that time with God. And uh, absolutely. Yeah. So and, I'm with that's you. actually so, a good segue Mark to this, this next one, we, mm. like, that distinction you just made between high capacity and high performing, because uh, this next one that I have just written. And by the way, I think Andy, you, you and I were talking about this before we got on in my notes app, I've got, and I don't know why I just started that way, but the title is just says quotes. Mm -hmm. So I have um, historically, um, just over the 50 years of my life have not thought a lot of original thoughts, but that bothers me, right? The last decade of my life, that has really bothered me. So, um, so I have begun to try to do that. And if the Lord just give it to me, I'm like, boom, drop it in there. So here's another one under that curiosity that I've put, they bring out the best in others rather than use others. 
That's good. So one mm. thing that I noticed in myself when I was at Halton was, um, I mean, I had a task to do. We all did. And I found myself um, inviting people into roles and asking them to serve to do things. And if I, on this side of it now, not in the moment, but on this side of it, convention work, looking back at it, there were a lot of those times I was asking them to do something so that it made our team look good. Mm. And so that this system we were doing worked and I paid little attention to their personal spiritual health and mm. more attention to how did it look for us as a platform? Mm. I mean, you just talk about convicting. I just, it's horrible. And I, mm. I don't like to admit that about myself, but I did it. And there was moments. So bringing out the best in others. And here's some, so Stephen M. R. Covey, the son has written a book. Um, by the way, it's, we're reading it as a team. It's called Trust and Inspire. So he talks about the difference between command and control as a leader and then trust and inspire being the new way to lead. And, and in that book, he's talking about how important it is that we not lead as dictators, that you do as I say, and don't ask questions, but we do the trust and inspire because we get more out of them, but we're also seeking the best for the people who serve us. And here's what I've noticed with the, the pastors who are still leading out of the command and control. They, if you look at the last, say, 15 years, 20 years of their ministry, people who've served under them, maybe as pastor, there's not a lot of people that have been there a long time mm. because it just wears them out and yep. we lose respect. They lose credibility and then they would be willing to take less money, but be happy in another situation. So bringing out the best in others rather than using them is, is one of those as well. Um, let me drop one more and, and get y'all's thoughts. They set aside time to think original thoughts. Um, this is something I've already told you that has bothered me. Thomas Edison said this, the most necessary task of civilization is to teach people how to think. And that has been a, a major source of emphasis in my life is I'm tired of quoting other people. I love them. I just quoted Thomas Edison, but I genuinely want to hear from the Lord. Mm. I genuinely want to have a, a thought that the Holy Spirit gives me that maybe is just for me. Maybe it's just for my 12 year old, you mm. know, that, um, that I am in tune enough to hear from him. And I do think he will give us those thoughts, but what I've noticed in these, these curious leaders is they have a line item in their day for that to happen. And I've never in my life, except for, I'd say probably the last six ish, six, eight years, I've never had that And my, what God's doing in me personally, I've never felt this and never been more excited in that's not all of it, but that piece is a part of it. Do you have any thoughts there? Mm. I think it's great. I think what you're talking about is key. What I've recognized over the years is the people that are most interesting and, and intriguing to me are the ones who are not set on just accepting the status quo in their own lives. I don't mean just organizationally, but I mean in their own lives. So curiosity is going to drive them to learn more. And it actually, uh, it actually brings out their uniqueness and their original thoughts. Like you're talking about, uh, they're not scared to, to have a room full of people and them say something that's completely different than what other people are repeating back and forth to each other. So, mm -hmm. and, and that comes from, exposing yourself to, to, to so many different things. I, I think those kind of leaders are the ones who will sit in a room full of people who are trying to accomplish a task or perform some type of ministry. And their mindset is not just, I'm going to have the, the best idea, but the mm -hmm. best idea in the room wins. 
uh, and, and they're, celebrating they're, other people's ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. They're, they're willing to be unique and original, but at the same time, they understand because they are curious and they want to learn. They want to learn from others. So, yeah. And I would, I would probably, you know, in, in my life, at least I would probably quantify or qualify that, that a little bit, you know, cause the way I feel is I'm with you hundred percent, but I feel like I never have an original idea in the sense that, mm. you know, it's always originated from the Holy spirit. And so I think, but I think you're exactly right. I think we get in the rut of, of mimicking, um, of, you know, going from one model to another or one book to another, those kind of things, because we don't, we don't ever take time to process what God is saying. And I think that's really what we're talking about process, you know, what God is saying to us personally, as leaders, as followers of Christ, as fathers, as husbands, I think, I think you're right. I think, I think high capacity leaders certainly have time, not just leftover, but intentional time to process what, what God may be saying to yeah. them. And, and to your point, Mark, like. it's interesting that I'll write something down. I'll be so proud. Like, oh, Holy Spirit, that's just good, right? And then the next day I read something, it's almost verbatim the same thing. Like, golly. Yeah. Right. And Solomon, Solomon knew what he was talking about when there's nothing yeah. under the sun, didn't you know, he? Yeah. So, I know it. Anyway. Well, let me, let me throw another one out to you that, yeah. um, that has hit me. I think that curious people tend to be innovation brokers. So like, I think the mindset there for them is that they're serving they're, They have a servant leadership mindset. So they are looking for these crazy cool ideas and principles and truths. And then they're sharing them with other people. So I'm, I'm not just absorbing that, but I'm a conduit for other people, you know, the blessed nations idea. So nearly every healthy church that I see in, in a, like, here's one of those, like when I think about us being innovation brokers, Nearly every healthy church that I see in Georgia has an intentional new member process. Like when I started talking that language, when I started seeing that all over Georgia, I'd go in there and they're like, hey, this is a great church and they're growing and they're launching new churches and all this stuff. And I would look and over and over and over, they all had an intentional process highlighting a specific plan that they had that no matter what age group you were in, you could fit in here and they could help you understand what the next step was going to be if God were to leave you there for a lifetime. So we just begin to share that with people. And of course, I wrote a four session plan. And guys, I bet I have given that thing out. I mean, I'm not I'm not overestimating when I say 400, 500 times in the four years that I've been here. Just, you know, didn't realize that people were asking the question, but we right. gave it out. You know, um, here's another one. Healthy growing church in the Georgia tend to have somebody overseeing that discipleship, disciple-making process in their church that's not the pastor. Hmm. So I can't, definitely wouldn't, would never say all of them. Absolutely not all of them. But the majority of them, I am noticing the pastor started it. He's created it. He has his, um, his ear on it. Those people have his time every week, but they've given that to somebody to own and they're overseeing it, particularly if you do it at 75 and then your church begins to grow larger, you and I both know the pastor just can't do right. all of that. That was something I didn't know, you know, so mm -hmm. we began to share that Chris Winford, first Baptist Brunswick was talking to me and shared that with him. He's like, Oh my gosh, what a great. So he began that process of trying to raise somebody up. That's actually, I think the last I talked to him was a volunteer, not even a paid staff person, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but you know, to just own it. So, but, but I think the, the point is like, I believe God feeds a believer's curiosity to bless the nations and extend gospel impact. I think that's just one of those things that he does in, um, and I guess what I hope for us is that it, if we can become curious, it would help us to learn to make a way and not excuses. Mm. Like we tend to just, Oh, if I had more money, man, if I had well, guarantee, if I had as many staff as Andy's got, or if, you know, we're always pointing fingers, we're making excuses and all right, I'll just tell you an anecdote here of my, my grandfather. Okay. Um, so come out of the house. We lived by him when I was a kid. Come out of the house. I'm just fired up, just mad. You know, he said, boy, you sure, country guy, boy, you sure look upset. Come here. So I walk over there. He said, mom, I don't. I said, mama don't understand. I go to school. I practice ball for three hours. I come home and eat. I shower. I do homework. And an hour before bed, she wants me to make up the bed and clean the room. Like, that don't make any sense. craziness, right? Well, my grandfather stopped smiling first. And then he pulled me in close and he looked me in the eyes. He said, son, even porcupines find a way to mate. Stop your griping and go find a solution. <laughs> and I was like, I, I was like, I didn't know if I was supposed to be offended or if I just heard the most, <laughs> most incredible, memorable quote of my entire life. Right. right? But that's something I, I learned is like, man, we just got to stop making excuses mm. and griping about everything that's wrong. And man, get leaders together and just, hey, what can we do to change the world through First Baptist Dirt Road? Yeah, we hear we hear leaders a lot give the excuse that uh, we don't have the budget or the resources to to do this, uh, make disciples or whatever. And I'm like, do you need a budget to make disciples? Because I, I mean, I don't think you do. I think you can start with zero dollars in one Jesus person. Jesus didn't, did he? That's right. You know? The yeah. early church, uh, they were known for poverty and power. You know, I mean, they didn't have anything. Uh, Ooh, that's but, preachable. But yet they changed the world. So we, we tend to let excuses uh, override what God's called us to do. And yeah. what you're talking about, high capacity leaders find a way to overcome that. They're they're creative in, in, in what they do. Yeah, 100%. So I feel like. I feel like we're just getting started on this conversation as we come to a close. So um, you're, you're a three time. Yes. We're going to have to have you on because we've got to discuss these other three too. And um, I feel like we're just touching the surface, even on curiosity, but man, it was such a, such a needed reminder or, or even a a light bulb for some leaders that um, you know, that, that, we can, we can certainly do what you just said. I think what we talked about at the end is probably the most poignant part of the discussion is, you know, we can make excuses. Um, We can join in the line with everybody else making excuses and we got plenty of them, you know, we're still coming out of a pandemic really, but, or, or we can just decide we're going to lead and, and curiosity drives it. I, I think, you know, beyond just the church, I mean, I think there's conversation to be had about, you know, all leaders of all time and their level of curiosity I think curiosity is one of those key indicators of, of a, of a world changer and yeah. an influencer. And so uh, I think, I think it's a great place to start. So uh, I know I needed to hear it and be reminded of it. And so I know that people watching and listen have been encouraged too. So yeah, and thank you. And thank you for Mark, sharing. Andy, if, man, if, so the Lord, I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of gave me a thought on um, 
that I, that I guess is probably a caution for us. You know, sometimes we talk about these mechanisms. We talk about, oh, we got to read more and we, you know, all these, these things, right. We got to do, but man, if I can, can I have one and a half minutes right here? Go man. Absolutely. Probably man. the most, what's the word impactful or most poignant lessons the Lord has taught me happened about a year ago. So my son, um, was, uh, went up to his buddy's house up the road here and playing and walked up to a gate instead of walking through it. Like humans do, he decides to jump over the gate, right? Foot gets caught. He's done it a hundred times. He's sixth grade, but he's five foot eight runs like a gazelle and foot gets caught falls, breaks both bones in his dominant right arm as a baseball player. And, um, came through the skin as horrible as you can imagine getting a truck headed to the doctor. It was too bad. We'll go to the main, the main place. So long story short, we spent 13 nights at Choa had uh, eight surgeries over two months. Uh, there was about a 10 day period when he almost lost his arm, but I'll never forget the moment. Um, and this is, this is getting somewhere. I promise. Um, there was a moment in the truck. I'll try not to be emotional. Mm. He was crying out. He said, um, over and over. And when, when I tell you a hundred times, that's the minimum. He was in shock and it was just over. It was Jesus, please help me. Mm. Please, Jesus, please help me. Mm. Oh God, please help me over and over and over. So I'm a dad. I'm crying in the front seat. He reaches between my rib cage and my arm and, um, and he wanted to hold my hand right with his good hand. So I'm holding the steering wheel with left hand, right arms in the back, holding his hand while he's calling out, Jesus, please help me. Please mm-hmm. help me, Jesus. In that moment, um, I'm just reflecting on all of it. The Lord taught me this. So like for Caleb, what was the most important for thing for him in that moment? What I could do to physically change his situation or the presence of his father, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the presence of the father that gives us the confidence and the courage to know that everything's going to be okay. And that's what he needed. I couldn't change anything. I couldn't fix this problem. So here, here's what God taught me. And I think it's, I guess this was just a caution as we talk about all these crazy cool ideas, right? The most important thing we can do is be with Jesus mm. before we attempt to do for Jesus or expect from Jesus. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like Amen. I'm just, I'm reflecting on this. Like, God, I don't want to miss a trauma, like make the most of it. And he's like, like, if you hold on to that, the rest of your life, this whole thing will be, will be worth it. Amen. Just be with me, spend time with me. And then I'll give you the, the authority and the power to do for me. And then I'm going to show you stuff that you never thought was possible, but I'm just such a knucklehead guys that I'll, I'll and I'm telling you, I'm the discipleship catalyst for the, the entire state of Georgia, 3,500 churches. You think I have it all together, but there are still days that I struggle to stay in the word and have dedicated time in prayer because I want to, I want to be sharp when I get on with Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, that just came to mind. I thought I would share that maybe as we close, cause I do want to caution our folks, be careful with the nuggets and the things you put in place. Cause it really is just about being with Jesus first. Amen. 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 That's a great way to close our time out together, Scott. We are so grateful, not just for your wisdom and, uh, experience you bring to the table and insight, but thank you for directing us back where we need to be. I mean, our heads, 
we can fill them with all kinds of knowledge, but if our heart isn't willing to follow Jesus, I mean, we've, we've missed it all. So thank right. you so much for reminding us of that today, Scott. We appreciate you. We appreciate all that you do. And we're thankful that you are on the same mission as us that we want to accomplish here, not just on this podcast, but with our lives and our ministries. We want to help leaders and Christians and local churches just be better disciples who, mm. who make disciples. And that is uh, it involves high capacity leaders and it involves people who are just taking those first steps to follow yeah. Jesus. And, and uh, may we all have that mindset today where we just reach out and want to grab the Heavenly Father's hand and mm. say, help me, help me, Jesus. Mm. You know, so mm. thank you for joining us on the podcast today, Scott. It's an honor, fellas. Thanks for any time I get time to spend with you. For the rest of you, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 